Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start Come on around back, Arizona, Saturday morning, 8 o'clock. It's Rosie on the house, your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. 8 o'clock hour, outdoor living hour on the third Saturday of this February 2022. Jay Harper's in studio with us talking deciduous fruit trees and things that are blooming right now. That was one uh, additional topic that came up because there is a bush that blooms. Full of orange. It's not palaverty. It's a, it's a little bush, but it's got that same palaverty yellow. Just mm-hmm. explodes. And I never think about that bush until it blooms, because the scent of it always reminds me of my grandpa's medical clinic, uh, his his allergy office. For whatever reason, they must have had a couple of them outside. Because every time I get that scent, I just picture his medical clinic well they planted them out there to make everybody sneeze before they right came yeah out. and, and that, <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant yeah, exactly <laughs> come get your allergy shot if yeah. you don't think you need it just yeah. sniff those a couple it's, times before you come in <laughs> yeah the picture that you sent me is cassia c-a-s-s-i-a cassia now i think they have changed it to senna s-e-n-n-a technically but um uh the the, the particular uh, species that you sent is feathery cassia or artemisioides has a little feathery gray leaf uh, ferny kind of a foliage to it blooms about now early spring um late winter uh yeah they're just a big ball of yellow when you see them very tough plant very low water user very tough i can testify i can testify to that yeah. We have a planter. You, you've you got one to live? I, I Well, <laughs> I've got a planter. I bet you we've tried 12 different things in there. And this spring, these Cassia volunteers popped up. I said, baby, you have just found yourself a new home right there. Yeah. They've got to be hard. Yeah, especially if they volunteered. You know yeah, they're man. Yeah. They're liking it there. They are tough. They do They do produce a lot of seed that... Maybe the knock on them from an aesthetic standpoint is, you know, all those flowers turn into a seed pod. And then as, as spring turns into summer, those seed pods dry up. And you sometimes have then you have a nice big yellow ball of yellow. And now you have a nice big ball of brown seed pods <laughs> uh, then. And the, the key to that really is, boy, as soon as they're done blooming and you see the green, get out there and give it a little haircut and you can cut a lot of that off. Uh, before it turns into, and then of course the seeds, uh, they do volunteer. So the seed, once they go to seed, and the seed pods shatter and fall to the ground, or the wind blows them around, or whatever, you can have a a few coming up all over the place. But it's a, it's been a very long time uh, standard of our low water use landscape palette uh, in in southern Arizona. Sell them like crazy in the nursery that was, <laughs> when they're blooming, and the rest of the year, eh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, because there's a couple by our office, and I just, I exactly, I never pay any attention to them. But this time of year, all of a sudden, it's just like, wow, where did that come from? Yep. So, and that was my next question: Can you get those in a nursery? And they do. Oh yeah, so. it's it's a it's a basic 
kind of a standard pallet item for most nurseries. Yeah. And so if I'm going, it's called a cassia. 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 Yeah. And you said it's low water use, and Rosie was talking about his being a volunteer. I mean, you you when you plant them, you'd still need to put some kind of little irrigation. Oh, on oh yeah, of course. You know, especially for the first going through the first summer or two. But you could eventually probably wean it off of you know of, of any water at all eventually. But like anything else, it's going to look a lot better, particularly in the spring through the early fall if it gets some you know regular watering through those drier hot months. So if you're driving around and you see a little yellow bush just full of bloom right now, that's the cassia. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, in our landscape in our desert, there's a lot of yellow flowers. <laughs> <laughs> you got brittle bush. That's if it's not, it's going to start blooming pretty quick. Cassia, a number of other things that are that are yellow uh, in the desert. So, but it's sure one of them. It does get pretty big, so that's something to take into consideration. You know, if you don't want to have to be trimming it a lot, which I'm an advocate for not trimming a lot. Things look a lot better and let them get natural size. It'll get, you know, five, six, seven feet tall and and that wide as well. So, Can you cut it back like bougainvillea down to about maybe, you know, after it's bloomed, of course? Once it's done blooming and that does solve the seed pod problem, if you trim it, you know, by about a third, you could probably keep it at four feet maybe if you did that. Something like that. If you'd like to join the conversation, ask about your landscape garden plant, one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three or you can email us at info at rosieonthehouse dot com. Uh, on our home maintenance calendar we had slated for today uh, deciduous fruit trees and we've kinda uh, talked a lot about trees the last couple weeks, but it's it's just a great time to plant. Yeah, pretty much anything you want to do now. And and uh, Gary mentioned pruning. And depending on where you lived, we did have a little bit of frost damage um, earlier in the winter. And so kind of keep your eye on new growth emerging from things. That'll give you a sign of when you can safely really start pruning back those plants that got damaged by frost. Things like natal plum, bougainvillea lantana uh, and the like so you know you're pretty safe in most areas of the valley after about valentine's day so from here on but i generally tell folks just to watch the new growth when the plants start pushing out new growth um, that's a pretty good sign that they're they're ready to recover so go ahead and prune back Um, and and if you're gonna prune gary also mentioned do it you know don't don't just get a nickel's worth, get a quarter's worth, you know. Go ahead and prune it heavily, and then you don't have to prune the rest of the year. Remember, most plants will grow about a third of their size in the, over the course of the year. So if you will reduce a plant size by at least a third, you can kind of maintain that size. That's a rule of thumb. It doesn't apply to everything, but it's something just to keep in mind. So don't just take an inch or two off. Maybe take a foot or more off of the plant, and then quit pruning it, quit shearing it, quit shaping it. Save yourself a lot of time, and the plants will look a lot better, and they'll actually be healthier um, if you just kind of use the pruners once and then put them away for a while. Let let the tree do its thing. Yes. Um, but 
we're into the time we should be fertilizing citrus and any other fruit trees. Uh, Valentine's Day is kind of one of those trigger dates to remember for fertilizing. But, yeah, planting, man, get with it. You know, you got a good 60 days here before we start worrying about it getting a little bit warm, and it, it's a great time to do it. And you had just mentioned fertilizing citrus and Valentine's being one of the trigger dates to remember to do that. What, uh, you know, you go into the nursery, there's a lot of different options there for fertilizer. What What's your favorite? Well, it, you know, there's a couple ways to go. You know, if you if you want organic, um, you know, the company I work for makes a great organic fertilizer. It's made from uh, locally sourced chicken manure from the Hickman's egg uh, farms, chickens. And uh, we, we make that into a, a pellet form, and it's, it's a wonderful fertilizer. Everybody, I think, that's gardened for a long time realizes chicken manure is one of the better uh, fertilizers out there, and, and we make a really nice product, which you can find at a lot of nurseries. The Farm's Choice. The Farm's Choice is the brand. It comes in a little 15-pound white bucket, or you can buy uh, a 50-pound bag of it. Um, so that's, that's a great option if you want organics. And then, and, and then it's it's come a long way from when it first hit the market. It had, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's changing the processing, but it the the odor isn't as strong <laughs> as well. A lot of that has to do with some bag. things they're putting in the feed for the chicken, some different uh, extracts of things that not necessarily doing that to to uh, reduce the odor, but doing it for other reasons. But it's it has had that effect on it um it's still gonna have it is what it is <laughs> but uh you know any organic product is going to have some odor blown blood meal bone meal all of those products you know because of where they come from but that's how you know it's, it's gonna work <laughs> it, yeah and it doesn't persist that long so you know don't fear maybe don't do it if you're having a wedding don't do it that the friday before the saturday wedding fertilize your garden <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and, and when you get home if you've got a suv or a vehicle you know don't don't leave five buckets in the truck and let it get heated up in yeah. the sun for a, a, actually a the buckets half. are pretty good because they're sealed <laughs> up but if you get the bags yeah in the hot car uh, for a couple of days it probably would have a, a nice aroma to it but uh, that's a great organic product for sure um Fertilome makes a good citrus food. Uh, organo, the old organo product, is a good one. So there's there's several really good ones. You know, I, we always told people all fertilizers work, except the ones that you keep in your garden storage bin and never use. And uh, so, you know, follow the directions. Uh, citrus need a fair amount of nitrogen. So, you know, you want to you want to make sure that you follow the directions so you get the adequate amount of nitrogen applied to them. Um, but just make sure you do it and do it on a regular basis. And uh, there, there isn't a fertilizer out there if it has any analysis at all. So those three numbers that you see on the back of the bag, the three big numbers are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash. In, in our desert dry climate, nitrogen is typically the most important because it's the most lacking. Nitrogen is what plants need to grow foliage and 
and and have green to them and and so they utilize a lot of nitrogen so that's something you want to pay particular attention to but anything that has that analysis will work you just make sure you use it i, I see a lot of storage sheds and garages that have 20 year old bags of fertilizer in them well they don't work very well sitting in the bag on the shelf A beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, making our way through the landscape and garden hour. Sometimes, you know, your music's just so good, you don't even want to interrupt it. Well, that was good. <laughs> Sound good, Gary. We've been talking about uh, fertilizing your citrus, uh, other things to fertilize right now. Uh, if you've got a winter lawn in, uh, we've got a, probably two more applications of that. Uh, oh, Maybe yeah. even three. Yeah, if, depending if you on how— into May. yeah. yeah. Uh, absolutely. And you want to make sure you keep them well fed, especially, you know, we didn't have too bad a frost. So I didn't see a lot of yellowing of winter lawns this winter, but they can yellow out on you pretty bad if you don't get them, uh, you know, fertilized regularly. Uh, just about everything though, right now ought to, ought to have some fertilizer applied to it. Shade trees, landscape shrubs, all that stuff. I've got a related question on that as the callers are coming in now. Um, City of Scottsdale is offering rebates mm-hmm. for giving up warm weather lawn. Turf. Uh-huh. Okay, right. So I was – they got me. I, I wanted to convert some of my lawn to a, a larger dog kennel. Okay. And I said, well, you know, if they're going to pay me to get yeah. rid of this, that's – I'm doing it. So I had them out. Mm-hmm. So I have a dormant Bermuda that I have to knock out and kill. Give me the steps to do that. Well, if you want to do it while it's dormant, you need to excavate a pretty deep. <laughs> a foot, right? At least. At least. I holy cow. Or, I would, or plan B. Plan B would be wait till it wakes up and then spray it out with Roundup. Go ahead and just sprinkle it like you want a summer lawn. Get it good and healthy. Fertilize it. Feed it. it yeah. Sprinkle it. Water it. Get it just <laughs> and green and lushy and then hit it. You know, The faster <laughs> it's growing, the better it'll take up that glyphosate and the better it'll kill it. Okay. So it's going to be June or July before I can really kill it. Completely, at least middle or end of June. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Well, and Scottsdale is not the only city doing that. Virtually every city I think they is, all pretty is much giving rebates to, to eliminate your warm weather turf. Who came out, Bill? Um, I, I have his card, but I'm sorry. I do not remember okay. his name. He's still, he honked at me the other day, so he's still working. <laughs> Kassenheiser? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when and, and it will come back. Back to Bermuda if you don't kill it. I mean, it, it you it, you cannot water it, ignore it, oh, yeah, leave no. it dormant. It, yeah. it can look completely dead. the The ground can even you know convert back to dirt. And as soon as a little bit of water hits, I mean, those roots shoot out. That is, you the, cannot the, water it for two years. That, that, and have it be just it looks like it's the cockroach of the plant world. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. That's great. It will have something there that will come back. It might be a little spot here and there, but just enough to screw you up. But uh, the other thing, though, I guess if it's in – so are your dog runs going to be 
like a granite bottom. You're not going to pour concrete or anything. Or? Right, right. They'll be they'll be left uh, natural. So the worst thing that would be is you'd have to maybe pull the move. You can have multiple runs, shaded pea gravel, and you uh-huh. know. multiple uh, yeah. compartments. Yeah, probably so. If you can move the, you know, you could. If it came back, spray one, move the dogs to another one till it's, you know, you could. Yeah. Okay. You, you could do that, and you know, if you didn't want to wait that long, Borrow. but no, but no, you're going to have to do that. Okay. Borrow a goat from Romy every once in a while. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. There you go. But yeah, that's a good point. If if you do want to convert uh, from turf to either gravel or granite or even a lot of people converting to artificial to, turf, yeah, yeah. boy, this time of year, you you know, that, that Bermuda grass, I've seen it firsthand, and it will come right up through that artificial turf. You, you might think, yeah. if you don't know better, that that brown Bermuda out there is never going to come back. Yeah. So uh, you spread black plastic over it. Then throw decomposed granite on top of that and think you're done. Yeah. And you have just created the nightmare a of your monster. life. <laughs> a monster. Yep. So. one 767 4348 That's one rosie you. We're going to run down to Florence and bring Logan into the conversation. Welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, so I had a question for Jay. I'm trying to find a larger quantity of Farms Choice fertilizer. I found it at A&P, and I'm trying, it's just in a small bucket. And I'm trying to find like a 50-pound bag maybe in the East Valley somewhere. Where would I find that? Uh, Treeland has stocked them in the past in 50-pound bags. Okay. They're on uh, Arizona Con- Avenue, Country right? Club or Arizona Avenue and about Elliott. Look for the big and if, and palm if, trees that they kind of yeah, grew. Well, in they're a, into a W because their last name is Waldemeyer. So those <laughs> palm trees are a W. I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Yeah. Remember that movie? <laughs> there you go. But, yeah, they, they should have it. If not, you know, tell now, them to call me. <laughs> and I know you guys do bulk like to uh, um, golf courses. How? What's your minimum order on a bulk truckload? Uh, well, a full truckload, so which is twenty like some ton, twenty some tons. odd tons. Yeah. So if you want twenty tons, Logan, they can yeah, they we, can drop a truckload. Absolutely. Load, call a couple of neighbors. That's right. <laughs> Welcome back. I am talking. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. I think your headset's Gary can dead. hear me. I can't hear myself. Oh, wow. But you're on the air. Jay you're can't on. hear me. Rosie can't hear me. I'll be Hopefully you're hearing us. But you hear Jay, too? All right. So I don't know that we'll... Let's have a show. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. You're on the air. <laughs> and we couldn't hear that, Gary, whatever you said. So 
Um, so welcome back. It's Rosie on the house. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take these off because it, it's yeah. Then I can at least hear Jay. Yeah, because I with the headphones on, I can't hear you. There you <laughs> with, go. Without audio, that's in it. better. So, yeah, <clears throat> we're trying to. We'll we'll get it figured out. And uh, I see uh, Aunt Karen's called in. What's her question? Oh, I can't, it doesn't matter because I can't hear you. Yeah, that's right. She can't You'd have to come in here and tell us. Hand what signals. She yeah. wanted. Can you send up a smoke gonna, signal for us? We're going <laughs> to go back to sticky notes like we did in 1988. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie and I remember that. Yeah. You'd walk in with five questions on, a, on sticky notes. Line one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the first job I had. Uh, it was... Running the the sticky notes in from the engineer into That's right. Rosie's room, right? Uh, but Karen has called in and wants to know about weeding, which is a great topic because I've got the best thing um, I, I've invested in to control the weeds at our house was a a thirty gallon tank on wheels that you just hook up to the back of your quad, pour your you know your weed killer in it, mix it with water, uh, and then it took like a like a thirty five dollar uh, landscape battery and you just plug it on turn it on and i mean it shoots a good 30 feet and you can adjust the spray and just driving around and hitting mm-hmm. uh spot treating it and you can do a spray on the back i haven't been I, I haven't found a lot of success with that just because the nozzles are probably i don't know knee height above the ground mm-hmm. and it always just seems to be windy enough that well, and then you're limited as to where you can drive. True, yeah. That too. So <laughs> if you if you can't get to that city spot lot would over be there. tough. Yeah, and so yeah, for most people on a city lot, a good pump up, you know, one to three gallon tank sprayer um, is is very sufficient. Just you know, if you'll clean them out good when you're done, soap and water three or four times, rinse it out good, spray some through the nozzle. You can use those for a number of different products without any problem. Of course, ideally, if you'll apply pre-emergent, and Gary was talking off the air before we came on about pre-emergent application, that's coming up any time about now. In fact, uh, thinking maybe, hopefully, keep our fingers crossed, we get a little rain midweek. This would be a great time. I'm thinking about getting that on this weekend. So it gets rained in because you have to water in pre-emergent herbicides. Well, as long as you're going to get the spreader out, and everything, you're not that far from my house. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I can whip up a batch of lemonade. <laughs> there you go. I've got a, I've got a daughter's. I've got to go do too. So uh, her front yard looks like she could turn a, uh, some goats out in it. <laughs> We're gonna go get at least get pre-emergent on it so it doesn't keep getting worse. Um, she had some people come by the other day that offered to weed her front lawn. She goes, I'm not sure why I turned them down. I said, well, I'm not sure why you did either. Yeah, so we, weeding can be done with sprays. You can spray it and kill it. Then you still have to get rid of the weeds. I mean, then you have dead weeds. So right now you have green stuff. If you're going to spray it and kill it, it's going to be dead. It doesn't go away. In fact, it might look worse for a while till you get out there physically with a hoe or a hula hoe or something or a, you know, at least knock them down. So if you can prevent any of that from coming up, that's the best recourse is pre-emergent. Once you have weeds that have emerged, then you have the option to hula hoe them, weed them, uh, pull them, or burn them, burn them, get a goat, <laughs> or spray them. Um, 
most cities will cite you if you don't take care of your weeds. You know, code enforcement. Um, you know, will will take will so stay on it. And if you're going to spray them, then they're much easier to control when they're little. And then that also, if you catch them little enough and you spray them and burn them up, sometimes you don't have to to hoe them. They'll just they'll be small enough and dry enough. They'll just kind of go away. And your uh, product application, if you're spraying, goes a long way if you're getting them when they're just little. Well, yeah, you little don't have tiny. near as much surface area on the leaves to, to spray. If you're spraying gravel areas, then you, you also have different choices of what kind of product to buy. It's when we have weeds that are in lawn or even, gra- even green weeds in a dormant Bermuda lawn, you, know, you have to be a little careful as to what products you're using so you don't damage your lawn. But yeah, I'm a big advocate of pre-emergent herbicides because they, they certainly save you uh, lots of time and, and work. But you have to do them a couple, three times a year to get 100% um, effectiveness. And year over year over year. Yeah, yeah, they last three to six months, depending on the product, how heavy you apply it, how much rainfall we get, that sort of thing. And I have done the goat thing, but, I mean, unless... I, I was somewhat tongue-in-cheek with that, but, yeah, in your case, I guess you can. But they'll eat everything. They'll eat that, the bark the off your trees. You know, they don't care. You know, so there, there's some downside to that as well. They, they are masterful escape artists, and they have killed multiple trees eating the bark off of them. Yeah. Let me ask a question about pre-emergent in my lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a section that's um, winter lawn. I've got a section that's just dormant. Okay. But I don't want that uh, uh, weed to start. Of course, I don't want spurge to start at all. Right. Uh, I'm going to start pre-emerging my lawn now. Yep. Um, now, when I start sprinklering that, how long can I expect pre-emergent to hold its barrier when it's getting hit with an inch of water sprinkler once a week? Yeah, and it, de- it depends a little bit. You can vary the amounts you put on per square foot or per 100 square feet to get different lengths of effectiveness. But I, I would figure in turf, you know, three probably three months rather than six months. Okay. All right. Very good. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Uh, we've addressed reading. Well, did that answer your question, Karen, or was there more to it? Something about a, a very specific type of weed you were looking. What I want to ask, I heard him say burn, and that I know my neighbor across the street did the Rosie thing and actually <laughs> got out there with a blowtorch. And did his whole lawn. Smart neighbor. You know, it occurred to me that... Huh? A smart neighbor you got. I'm thinking of doing that. I'm thinking of hitting these weeds with a blowtorch. Sure. What's more fun? It's organic. Yeah, it's all organic. (laughs) It is organic. That's what appeals to me. I'll I'll loan (laughs) you my flamethrower. I'll loan you my flamethrower. Okay, I got it. And then, is there? Um, you know, let's back up. Let's back up well to the. On. Let's back up to the burning thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh. So be careful on. You know, if they're, I've, I've, I've done this and I've made this mistake. <laughs> is if you've got some big weeds, and you, you remember, it can turn into a little bit of a fire, if they're pretty big. So make sure if you're going to oh, no, burn, no. they need to be little. No. 
Okay. Yeah, I, no problem. I'm okay. just wearing out pulling them out by hand. Oh, I that's I just that's can't. that's a fool's errand there. I, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and will pre-emergent will it get down to the bottom on St. Augustine? Will it get to the ground with that thick? Uh, yeah, you'll just you have to apply apply enough moisture to get it down there, but you can't. Yeah, eventually it will. Yep. Okay. Those two things help me very much. All Thank right, you. you're welcome. And when we do weed burning, a lot of times we'll watch for rain and do it shortly afterwards if they're larger, when everything's wet. But uh, we we did a lot of weed burning, and it's just a a torch you hook up to a propane tank, and yeah. it's uh it's very effective and it's. You know, it it sounds like that's dangerous, but it's it's really no. I'm odd. somewhat kidding, but not kidding. I have no. You got to you got to throw have, that disclaimer in there. I have set some pretty large <laughs> weeds on fire and had, and they were maybe just a little drier than they should have been. But <laughs> there's an unnamed friend who has a hard hat with two beverage container holders uh-huh. that are yeah. attached to a straw. Yeah, <laughs> that he wears in doing yard work. And he was burning weeds this particular day with two full refreshments going. Oh. And uh, about a half hour into the deal, he turned around, and the eaves of his home, the overhang, was yeah. on fire. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you also might lose the rec- the cognitive ability to recognize what's a weed and what's a, that, what's right. a desirable plant. <laughs> you right. get a little carried away burning stuff up. Oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Be yeah. careful. Next, we've got Lucille, who would like to join the conversation. Good morning, and welcome to the program. Good morning. Uh, I was listening to John about the farmer uh, fertilizing pellets, and I have a uh, 50-year-old citrus tree, and I water it by soaker, and I was wondering how you would apply those pellets in that case. By soaker, you mean like a soaker hose that's just... A, a soaker hose that I just run oozes uh, for maybe a couple of days to get the water clear down. Uh, uh-huh. Oh, wow, that's awesome. Things. Great. Good job. Way to water. Um, well, you can put the pellets in as long as that moisture is making contact with those pellets. They will dissolve uh, in time. So, if you know, just make sure you're putting the pellets in an area that that soaker hose... Uh, you know, is is getting moisture to the soil. They'll sit on top of the soil as that soil gets moist. They'll start dissolving the the pellet. Um, should should be fine. Get in or anything like that. I, I've been using the spikes, and uh, I don't think that the fertilizer is that great. The problem with the spikes are the fact that it's hard really to get a you know a a cylinder or a you know like a little nail so to speak an enlarged nail of compressed fertilizer that you pound into the ground to dissolve evenly between each spike so if you put five or six around the the tree to expect those to cover yet adequately they work it's just it's probably not the most effective way to get the entire root zone uh, of the tree to absorb some nutrients. Job's treat spikes, I remember. That Job's was the, was the yeah. company that yeah. I guess they're still around that made those. Yeah, that's right.
beautiful Arizona morning, wrapping up the final segment of our Landscape and Gardening Hour here at Rosie on the House. We've got uh, a lot of things we can be doing in the garden, and it's a great time to get them done right now because it's so nice. Well, and you, and the, the excuses are kind of over. Football's over. <laughs> Super Bowl's over. Phoenix <laughs> Open's over. You know, all the car shows are gone. So, you know, it, you know, get off the couch. Good way to work off some of that holiday weight you put on, COVID weight you put on. You know, 30, 30 minutes to an hour in the garden is, is just as good as going to the gym. And, and potentially uh, no spring training, at least for now. Yeah, right. Ah, so no excuse. Uh, that's a whole nother <laughs> subject we, I don't want to even address. <laughs> freaking baseball players what are you thinking um so yeah get out and get get there i guarantee you if you don't think you have something to do call one of us we can come over and point it out to you fertilizing trimming if you've got frost damage you can start trimming that off just looking around finding some other stuff i tell you a great thing to do now is go through your irrigation system before you really need it and make sure it's working properly i i had mine i happened to be at the house the other day and it i had turned it back on because it had been i hey i had a, a water bill that was under 100 dollars for i think the first time that i can remember congratulations my man congratulations so my water had been turned it on and i see water shooting everywhere <laughs> so i've got some work to do on that front um had my brother out the other day fixing a couple things there's more stuff to do in the backyard, but so check your irrigation system. That's a, you know, it's kind of like the roof. Best time to fix it's before it's leaking. Uh, my vegetable garden's kind of dormant right now. I'm finishing my leafy greens. Uh-huh. What any any prep for summer yet? Well, you can always, you know, I mean, if you've got stuff that needs to be pulled out, you can be kind of turning it. You know, if it needs to add a little compost to it, usually that stuff settles. Yeah. You might need to start adding. Yeah. You're not. I mean, we can start planting tomato plants right now. Okay, that's what I needed to so know. So tomatoes, peppers, all that stuff needs to be getting in the ground now. That's so, what I needed to know. Yeah. Thank you. All right, let's see if we can squeeze Robert in here as we wrap up this hour. Welcome to the program, sir. How may we help you? Yes, sir. Good morning. Uh, love yourself. Thank you. Um, I, I have a question. Okay, uh, half of my yard is uh, sod, and then the other half I planted uh, winter grass. So now I know when the winter grass is going to die, I'm debating whether to put sod down or just seed, you know, fresh Bermuda grass down. And on the Bermuda grass, once I put the seed down, how long would it take? Is it going to be, uh, would it match the current Bermuda grass thickness? Well, that's 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 going to be your problem. Is so do, do these two parts of the lawn join each other? I mean, are they? Yes. Well, they I do. would probably do whatever you did on the other side because <laughs> it's not going to match. Not only the the grade won't match because of their thickness, as you called it, but also the variety or the strain of grass is not going to match. More than likely, so you'll have a very distinct difference in color and texture between one side of your lawn and the other. So uh, that my advice would be to sod the remaining portion once the ryegrass dies with whatever you did the other side in. Yeah, that's why I was kind of figuring, but then since uh, I didn't work today, and I always turned it on to the show, and bingo, I had that question there. So I'm just going to go ahead and sod it. So well, I will confirm I your, your, I'll confirm your uh, 
a hunch then. Yeah, you got the right idea. Appreciate the call. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us here at Rosie on the House. Excuse me. Can be okay over there? <laughs> I'm, out, I'm out of water. But top of the hour is coming soon. I'll go fill back up. We have uh, pretty much, I'm going to say, we're, not, we're, we're past any of our frost. If for most parts of the valley, typically, the, you're, yes, we're safe. We're home free. Now, if you live in any more of the area we call metropolitan Phoenix includes, you know, Florence and Eloy and Santan Valley and some, you know, far west sides, it can be a whole lot different in some of those very far outlying areas. But if you're in, you know, the main basin part of Phoenix, you're probably okay. And you were talking about when you're trimming, go ahead and get, you know, your your more than a nickel's worth, get a quarter's worth. You can trim up to, you know, thirty percent of the. Yeah, and then some, and then some plants like lant- lantanas, bougainvilleas, very fast growing things, way more aggressive than that even, um, and uh, and you'll actually have a better plant, and you'll have and you won't be able, you won't have to continually shear that plant by midsummer because it's gotten as big as you can let it get. So, you know, prune heavier. Call your neighbor and have them come do it if you're not willing to do it yourself. <laughs> but, but, you know, if you just take a little bit off, just a little bit of frost damage on the tips, then you're gonna, that plant's going to grow that back plus some. So if you're depending on how big you're wanting to keep that plant, you know, trim accordingly. That that is a great advice on having the neighbor do it. When it comes to thinning garden, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially th- thinning, thinning my trees. apple trees. Yeah. Uh, I've I've noticed the uh, bloom on my peach trees are starting to turn purple. They're starting to sprout out. Yeah, but thinning those is the hardest thing for me to do. It's hard yeah. to make yourself do it, but boy, it's sure nice to get a great big peach. Uh, you know, a fair number of those as opposed to a whole a bunch, bunch of little, little tiny great ones that you can't hardly even peel because they're so small. And then if you get too many on a, on peaches and that, they you're you're sus, subject to the tree breaking down, and then that causes all kinds of problems. If you lose major limbs off of a tree, then you get openings in the tree and get sunburn, and you know pot- potentially the tree a lot of insect uh, and disease and uh, yeah, all kinds of issues start spiraling in. Then so thin them thin them good, get some good quality fruit, and don't worry about the quantity. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. Jay Harper of the Farm's Choice. We've got uh, the registered contractors outside joining us in the next uh, hour, or 9 o'clock hour, on the house right after this.